So Breen and Martin, two huge games coming up, two two massive games. Uh, a dead rubber against Azerbaijan and the um, this centenary game in the John Delaney Derby against Qatar. <laughs> How excited are we for this international window, lads? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I always am when Ireland play, um, and this has been, you know, since we we kind of know that we're not qualify, but um, firmly behind what Kenny's trying to do. Um, still, I'm still optimistic, um, and I think I, I was excited to, you know, going to Baku. I was planning to go. I'm not able to go now, sadly, with work commitments. But um, there what are kind of huge fan, numbers. What, what kind of fan are you, Martin? I know exactly. Not um, going to Baku. I know, yeah. Um, I, I'll be honest, one of the reasons I've, 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 I'm not going as well is it was it is a lot of hassle with, um, I mean, I've got flight books and everything, but um, it, it's just a hassle of the travel kind of, you know, the PCR tests and all that kind of stuff, which is all to do with the COVID. It, I didn't find it very enjoyable, all that kind of rigmarole going through it when we went to Portugal. Um, fair play to all the Irish fans who've gone over there. I think we have still got some numbers going. Uh, I think we've got 23 from Rich London going, which in the context of other clubs I know we're going is is really big numbers. But to be fair, Rich London, we always travel in, in good numbers anyway. I think I've said this before, mo- we've got some members who don't even go to the Aviva. They they kind of have a bit of a view on the, basically the home games, don't really want to kind of see it as giving money to the FAI, um, oh, but will go to every, uh, every away game. You know, they've not missed one for years. So... Um, now they're able to travel. It was a trip that was quite attractive to people. Um, they're going in good numbers, as I said. Some of the lads are over there already. Um, I do I gather as well from just hearing from some of the lads um, that um, it's quite strict over there. You have to have all your documentation on you all the time. So I, I'm kind of, in a way, I know that when the when the games are underway on, on Saturday, I'll be disappointed I'm not there, but I'm I'm going to actually watch and enjoy this. I've made plans now to watch it with friends, so um, I'll do that on Saturday. It'll be a bit of a different experience for me, but um, yeah, I probably won't be sorry that I don't have to go for all the rigmarole, as I said. Um, I think as well, it, what what is nice, just maybe let everyone know, I mean, the tickets weren't going to be a lot of money anyway, but um, the FAI are giving them to the fans who are travelling free, which is quite decent but I think they're only going to be two or three euro anyway you're saying that mm. they're strict over there Martin I wonder if uh, you have to be doubly vaccinated to, to play <laughs> something, <laughs> something, something something we might get into in, in a mm. little bit Breen what do you expect from the game itself against Azerbaijan we only played them a couple of weeks ago and um, you know we, we we found it very very hard to break them down probably a game to forget a game that you know we were probably unlucky not to win is going to be that little bit harder in Baku tougher conditions away game unusual stadium that seems miles and miles away from the pitch um it's 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 kind of a hard one to to look at because obviously as you said it is a dead rubber um but there is a lot to play for for ireland obviously the whole squad from listening to them during the week they're obviously all hurting from not being able to get results over the last while and they have come extremely close and you can see progress and it must be difficult as difficult for them as it is for us probably more difficult that they are putting in all this work and you can see improvements and then they're just not getting over the line. Um, I think they will be kind of a bit of a wounded animal. You'd hope they'd be a bit of a wounded animal going out. And and like, let's say the first 20 minutes against Azerbaijan at Lansdowne, they were quite good. They were very positive. They were on the front foot. Um, you know, Seamus Coleman was playing around the edge of the box from right back. Yeah. So 
you center, would expect center half really wasn't center he half, yeah, yeah. Only three weren't they um you know so th- you would expect uh, a similar pattern um i think they obviously kind of fell asleep right before half time um azerbaijan got an excellent goal you can't take away from that um but you would imagine the game will fall into a similar pattern uh, maybe Azerbaijan will try and play a, a bit more open football because they're the home team. Um, but I would imagine that actually the conditions would would probably suit us a little bit. Um, everyone likes playing in nice weather. Um, I think the, the, the weather there is supposed to be quite good. Off, I think I read that the other day. Um, so, you know, everyone wants a bit of heat um, at this time of the year when it's starting to get quite cold. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about the, uh, the conditions and, and, and the pitch. I think everyone has seen this stadium before on TV now after the Europa League final and after the Euros. So we're all quite aware of what it looks like. Um, and I think for the players, it's an opportunity to go out here and, and get a win on the road and get a win under their belt and start really building in earnest. Um, because there was foundations laid in the last international break where you say that they, they played quite well um, away at uh, away in Portugal, and we're unlucky not to get a result there. Then Azerbaijan, there was green shoots, and then one goal changes the game right before half time, and and we're 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 forced to to play against a very low block that just doesn't want to come out because they're defending their 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 lead on the road. And then against Serbia, probably wasn't overall our best performance, but they stuck at it and they got results. I uh, got a result out of it. So you know, look, I think. It's obviously not been the best campaign in living memory. Um, and I think history will look at this campaign right now quite harshly. But in a couple of years time, depending on what happens, you would say, OK, yes, in hindsight, we probably needed that pain um, to go through that pain to get where we want to go. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what side he puts out. Um, hopefully he's got maybe the strongest side he's been able to put out. Um, in in Kenny's entire tenure in charge, um, but other than that, it, it, it'll be, you know, even if we get a win, I think there will always still be people going, ah, oh, yeah, well, finally we got a win, and finally it's only Azerbaijan. But a win's a win, um, and that's that's what we need. Um, well, and well, yeah, I mean, well, well, to put it into context in this whole idea that it's it's only Azerbaijan, and I think for the the seasoned Ireland supporter who maybe follows uh, things outside the sphere of the Premier League and things outside the sphere of Irish football, I mean. This Azerbaijan team, now they 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 had lost, I think, eight out of the last ten. We, I think they they, they drew with us, and I think they beat Belarus. But before that, I mean, they lost three 0 to Portugal, and that Portuguese team was actually very very impressive in Baku last month. But if you look at their results over a span of uh, two and a half years or so, I mean, they don't concede many. I mean, they went through a phase. I think it was five games in a row that they drew nil all. And any game that they lost, they were losing. It, it was all 2-1 losses or 1-0 losses. Of course, they're very, very lucky to come out of Dublin, I suppose, with a point. But there's this whole, you know, I suppose you mentioned this in our preview for the, the home game against Azerbaijan. Uh, Kwarabag, you know, the, the, the domestic team in Azerbaijan. I actually don't think they're current champions. But, I mean, they played in the Europa League. And, you know, they... They played. Um, they played extremely well, and and a, a huge chunk of their team have either played for Quarabike or have come through the system of Quarabike. So I think we can't underestimate um, the solidity of this team and the experience that they have on the international. Well, not the international stage, but the European stage. Again, a yeah. slow tempo, slow tempo game, similar to Luxembourg with Dudelange, and I mean. Not to not to switch on to Luxembourg, but the whole idea that you know they have a couple of lads playing in the Champions League. We don't. Well, yeah, so, I, so that that context is important as well. 
It is, but I I think this also harps back to the wider um, kind of mentality of Irish fans that we need to move on from that uh, we should be beating them. Like, that's not how football works um, at all these days. You know, there's no such thing as how we should be beating them now. Because as we've spoken about previously on here, um, I think that before the Azerbaijan game, it was, or after the Azerbaijan game, that graphic went around that said, on average, um, in in academies in their in their countries, Azerbaijan have like twenty seven um, paid coaches on average per academy, and we had like nearly zero. Um, I think it was zero actually, um, or, or one or something. And and that's the reality of it. You know, these countries, uh, you know, that, that you maybe perceive as the weaker uh, so called weaker countries, they've been putting the work in in the infrastructure and youth level, and and they're starting to see results from that. And you know they mightn't have the have cracked it yet, um, but they're all trying to do that in the in the right and positive way. And there is people within Irish football trying to do that, obviously. But we don't have uh, collective thinking, and we haven't been able to produce the players. Um, hopefully, they're starting to come through, and it's going to take time to get there. But the reality is that we have no divine right to go out and win these games, even if we're you know we've played in what three World Cups and and four yeah. three or four Euros. Like that's not that's not how it works anymore, and, and we need to get past that. It's only when you delve into it deeper, because as I said, like of the two, say, lower C teams that we got, Azerbaijan and and Luxembourg, like on the on the face of it, you kind of think, well, these guys are minnows. But when you when you sift through their results, both both sides results, you can see that they're two improving nations. And as I said, it's it's this whole this whole idea that both of them have put out uh, European sides, you know, European sides into the Europa League. I think Warburg were they they were possibly in the Champions League. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong on that. But I mean, that's that's something they were that we. In Champions League, I think. Weren't yeah. They? Uh, well, I'm not. I think they I think they quite possibly were. Yeah. I think they quite possibly were. But they certainly were in the the Europa League group stages as we're due to launch. So I mean, it, we we've kind of timed, um, drawing them, drawing both these sides uh, very badly. You know, because I mean, if you look at your San Marinos or your Andorras. Gibraltar, who we just about scraped by in the last qualifiers. I mean, you know, we we, we didn't exactly get the the minnow of minnows. Um, score prediction for Saturday, lads. I, I think we'll I think we will win. I think I think he, he needs a bit of luck, and I ho- I hope he gets it. And I think um, we have got we will have the quality players available, and I can see a few of them putting on a good performance. And I think we will win it. I think we will score a few goals. I think we might win it two two nil. Yeah, I think three 0 To be totally honest with you, I think I've wow. this this team might finally come of age. Um, you know, yes, the opposition you can only play whoever, who's whoever's in front of you, and that might seem hypocritical based on um, what I've just said previously. But having seen this Azerbaijan team and seen, like, I think in 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 Dublin, if we score early, that game is completely different, and and we convert one of those chances that we did create, the game's completely different. So um, I would be expecting a, a maybe two three nil. Do you know what I think, lads? I think against Azerbaijan at home, it was another example of Kenny trying to put, you know, square pegs into round holes. And, and I know I keep using this term over and over and over again, but I think that's a fair assessment of, of Stephen Kenny's team selections. And I think if he puts out a team where players are playing in their positions, hopefully we see, you know, if, if he's going five at the back, if you have Matt Doherty and the Stevens wing back, experienced wing backs playing in there, and if you have actual wingers playing on the wing, or if you have two up top, if you have Ida and Parrott and maybe someone playing in behind, whether that be Jamie McGrath or whoever, even if it's Jeff Hendrick, for all I care. But once, I think if players are playing in position, if we see a good balanced team and players, as I said, playing in the position, 
that they are most comfortable in, I think we're gonna we're gonna get a comfortable victory. As I said, these these lads are difficult to break down, but I mean, having seen them in Dublin, we are very capable of it. We just need to to get that bit of end product, and I think we need to get that bit of balance. So the big one then, the the the, the big one on Tuesday, lads. So our centenary <laughs> game, and and what better opposition to play than uh, than Qatar? And of course, we're gonna be wearing those infamous blue jerseys. Uh, Martin, you you uh, you actually caved and you bought one. Yeah, I look, I would buy it anyway. I, I do collect the jerseys and stuff, and I, I I think it's all right as well. I don't. I've I've seen a few people who've actually had it delivered to them um, at, on on Twitter and said said in the flesh it's a lot nicer to yeah. see. My one is in the Republic of Ireland at the moment because they won't send it to the UK, which is a big bugbear of mine. Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous to be honest that in this day and age, international trade. I know there's Brexit and all that kind of stuff, but. You know, we have a massive diaspora in the UK and around the world in America. I think it's an absolute disgrace that we can't get this, um, get get the products out to people. You know, I know so many people, like look at the membership for Rich London, 555 yeah. members. We mm-hmm. can't get the stuff sent over to us. Like, it's actually really embarrassing for the FAI and this deal that they've struck, to be honest, that they've... That's a distributor can't do it, and and I think that's just it's, I just don't think it's acceptable this day and age. I see as well we're launching. Uh, I know this sounds pretty scathing, but I don't really care to be honest. Um, it really really pisses me off completely. Send your um, hate, send your hate tweets to uh, Brandy yeah, Rebel, Nance uh, Road, I think it is. Um, <laughs> David Dorn, um, David Dorn. Yeah. Um, no, I mean I'm, I'm on Elbury's website now. They've, they've launched another. You know, every time we seem to get the team together, they bring out another training range and some a different jacket or the, you know this Umbro retro range and stuff like that. Um, and you can't get it; it's it's not available yet. You won't see all you'll see this week is the players in it. So a fan can't even pick it up. That kind of top, even travelling in the from the airport, Dublin Airport used to have a sports shop. They don't even have that anymore. There's no presence of Irish football in Dublin Airport. Obviously, I go for it quite a bit back and forth for the games. But that, that, that's an absolute joke as well. Um, whereas, you know, you think of the amount of tourists coming through Ireland, um, even pre-COVID, all right, we'll, we'll give them a bit of leeway now, but um, things are open up again. But you can't buy the Irish jersey. I think that's just wrong. Like, it, I, I'm just, I'm so annoyed with it, to be honest. Um, they, they do these ridiculous launches and they're having, um, you know, I, I know I've seen, you know, to be fair, Irish Fan TV done their interview today with Jonathan Courtney and it, and it looks great, all the products, but you can't, actually buy it yet you can pre-order it and it's the same with the blue shirt i mean that that i'd be quite worried about this distributor to be honest because that was a limited edition they haven't even sold 2000 of them because mm. you can still get them so out of the capacity of the aviva if you think that that's lost the percentage of that i'm not great at maths to be honest but there's, well, there's the, no one the, wants well, these shirts well the, the current the current capacity of daily main park um under COVID guidelines um you you wouldn't even sell it to each of the fans yeah. I mean, the stuff's all right. okay. It looks good, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm just amazed at the distribution thing. O'Neill's can do, um, you know, we, we just launched ours from Rich London. We've done a deal with uh, O'Neill's. They've set up a club shop for us. I, I was contacting Umbra. I was, con- on, I was contacting Jonathan Courtney and people um, asking about club shops to try and get an Umbra range with the Republic Islands London branch on it. Just so difficult to do. Contacted O'Neill's can do it very very simply we've got a range yeah. out now literally it took me a month to organize um I, i'm just amazed that it really really annoys me the other thing that bugs me as well we can't we're not going to create another generation of heroes okay our players aren't doing well at the moment mm. the team aren't getting results but if you're a kid in ireland 
you, you've got no love for anything Republic of Ireland. You know, their players, it, the kids in school, I imagine, are, are, you know, watching, still watching Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappe. Yeah. Those players, they want their shirts with like Man City players or Man United, Liverpool, right? That's who they want. They don't want an Ireland shirt. They can't actually get an Ireland shirt with the, a player's name on the back of it. That's a disgrace. That is an absolute disgrace. On match day, a thing should have been going to... You think about people who go to Old Trafford and Anfield every week. They're flooding them club shops and they're buying every bit of gear they can get with a Liverpool Man United badge on. And we can't even have a shop open up at the Aviva half the time. And they can't even... They, you can't even get a name on the back of it. So I, I just think it's absolutely wrong. And, and we, I don't know, you know, the FAI haven't got a pot to piss in. And whatever deal they've struck, we can't even get the commercialism idea right um, to bring any money in. So it just really, really annoys me. Well, it's a huge disrespect to, to, to the diaspora. And, and I mean, you know, I, I, I bought a retro Ireland jersey from the UK. Like, it's actually easier to buy a retro Irish jersey over in, in England um, than it is to get a current Irish jersey in England over to the over to the UK um, or, or over from Ireland. And I, and I mean, as I said, like, the, it's not only is it ignoring um, an essential part of the fan base because you know a lot of a lot of the diaspora's identity does come through supporting the the football team you know does yeah. come come through supporting the irish team and that's that's where you know that's that's where a lot of pe- people are, are, are allowed to project um unable to celebrate their irish heritage t- through football and through sport and, and the fact that you can't even get a replica jersey and and you were saying as well martin like, you know how like the kids jerseys i remember back in the day Breen, you're probably the same like the i remember the 2002 world cup and the jersey sold out, but you could get, you know, you could get Duff on the back, you could get Keane on the back, Robbie and Roy, you, you could get the, the replicas, no bother with kids, kids sizes with the names on the back. But mm. but that isn't the case now. And I, as I said, like in the UK, it's, it's now maybe not yourself, Martin, because you're a Manchester United fan. But I mean, a lot of a lot of people in the UK, certainly people of Irish descent, they, they support kind of their local teams. And I mean, if you have a young um you know, English-born uh, child of Irish descent living in West Bromwich. You know, imagine imagine the opportunity he would have to get a Callum Robinson or a Darrow Shea jersey, or, or you know, even you know a young a young Irish Everton fan um, born in Liverpool or whatever. You know, and the the chance that they would have to have an Irish jersey with Coleman on the back, Seamus Coleman on the back. So I mean, it is it is a missed opportunity, and it's and to a degree, it's a certain amount of disrespect and not really. Not, not, not really. Um, forward thinking or, or thinking things through, like they're they're missing a huge, a huge proportion of the the marketing potential here and the the, the, the financial potential as well. Yeah, they've always got it wrong though. Like I, I'll be honest, I remember when when we've not qualified. I know that it, these are seasonal things, these shirt launches and things like that. Like like we've hardly wore the green or white shirt, but you can. It's really discounted now. You know, I know that's fine, but like, let's be realistic. We're in a commercial world now where. You know, there used to be uproar and Man United were the bad people who ever brought out a shirt because they dared to bring one out every two seasons. And and now every team brings out three kits a season and no one cares anymore. And the price of them is absolutely ridiculous. United have actually brought out one now, at, or the the player authentic kit, which is another 30 quid more than <laughs> the other one. It, it's a different version of the, the replica yeah. shirt. So there is a market for it. I know people love collecting them and stuff like that, but it's also a market for the knocked off versions and they're being flooded into the market as well. Like there's mm. a reason why a lot of Irish fans now are rock buying all the retro shirts. It's because they're fed up with what they're actually getting. We were so desperate for not having a, to be able to get a shirt without a sponsor for years as well. 
No, the, no, it was messed up I, though, wasn't it? Like, yeah. one thing I, think, I, just I, think, I think the last year was lovely. The last year was lovely, but yeah, for sure, uh, there was a huge amount of um, huge amount of dissatisfaction with with the, with the style of some of the jerseys, mm. and most notably yeah. the fact that the sponsor was on them. Yeah, I think that's you know one of the things Martin made a good point there that clubs, um, especially in England, they they do bring out numerous kits throughout the season, uh, but the thing I would the difference between those and say Ireland is. At least the teams play in those jerseys. I say like Liverpool brought out their jersey, their 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 three jerseys for this season, and I think they've already played in all three of them. And they will play, they will play a lot in the red one. They play a lot. I think it's the yellow one, and then they've got the they've got a white one. I think off the top of my head, um, and they'll play in all those 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 jerseys throughout the throughout the season. So if you're buying a kid's jersey, say the kid can see his heroes playing in that jersey, and he's like, oh, that's me. Ireland bring out so many jerseys in comparison to the amount of games that they play i'm was it that jersey that um when was it a couple of years ago i think it was new balance and we played like one game in the jersey or two games in the jersey and then it was on to the next one yeah like are are people really getting value for money out of these there was a black yeah there was a black jersey a few years ago and didn't they only play wales i think in in, in one game yeah i I don't mind if it's if if it's an, uh, an alternate jersey and it's kind of like oh shit we need another color like fucking yeah black fine but the green, the, the home kits change so frequently. I'm actually surprised that we're still on the the kit that we're we're on now. It, well, we yeah, won't be for much longer. It'd we be won't March, be for much longer. Yeah, it'd be yeah. March by uh, I, I March will have a new one. For March, to be honest, I think it'll be. The, I think in in the November it's yeah. a new one um, because we're playing we're playing uh, Portugal at home. And there's going to be a lot of eyes in yeah. that. Um, but it, it just it's just people aren't getting. They just like because the FAI, and I'm not sure whether it's the FAI. I, I'd assume it is. They're like, right, we need to... Surely they, they're not making a profit on all of this. Because how can they bring out so many different kits? Because people are just getting sick of it. Like, I have a, a, a nice now... I know they've changed from uh, New Balance to Umbro. But I have a nice um, kind of pullover um, New Balance one I bought three or four years ago. And it's really nice. It's held mm-hmm. up. It's in really good condition. And I'm like, they, they brought out basically the same thing just with Umbro and changed <laughs> it four or five times in the intervening years. And I'm like, what? What is the point of this? Like the new yeah. training kit. Why? Like well, no one needs a new training kit. They only you know? brought the retro. I, I, by the way, I love, I love. The, I went to town on the retro stuff. I, I, I bought it all, and I, I love it. And credit to them because that's 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 the market now, isn't it? People love retro and nostalgic stuff. But that's that's what we do in this this podcast. But I mean, um, they they only brought that out a few a few months ago. I think it was January or February time I bought that, and then all of a sudden you've you've something else, and it's just um. And the thing is, as well, like uh, <laughs> it's, the fans aren't captured by the the national team at the moment, and this whole connectedness that Stephen Kenny is is driving towards, it's, it's simply not happening at the moment. So why would they want to buy the gear associated with them? Like as I said, I, I've I've after I'm just as bad. Like I mean, I've I've after buying um I've after buying two jerseys from kind of 2000 to 2004 um from the UK. You know, because that those are the players that that I associate with better times and that I really looked up to. Um, now that's kind of childish for me, and that's that's a little bit of a separate thing for me. But at the same time, it's just it's 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 baffling in many ways. And I think yeah, part of the problem as well is the the fact that the the contract is with Jacko Sports, isn't it? Which which is kind yeah. of a their yeah, distributor. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so I mean they they have a lot of stuff. They've Converse, they have um, New Balance, they have BLK, they have a few. There's a few of them, and I mean, when they went from when they went from Umbro to New Balance, they they were still within Jacko, so they're, they're never going to leave that sphere. 
They're never going yeah. to leave that sphere. Like they'll never go to Adidas or Nike or whoever. It's it's always going to be within that sphere. And again, they seem to be pulling the strings because it's one of these, you know, I scratch my back or you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of scenario yeah. that's been going on for years and years and years. That's true. But the first jersey, the first jersey I've bought from the front, like from say an official uh, Ireland store, which was from Elvery's, and I bought the thing. They won't be currently wear the home jersey with no um, sponsor on it because they yeah. had no sponsor on it. But before that. I struggled to tell you the last time I bought it and an actual I think someone gave me a gift to like the kind of darker green one with the gold trim on it. Um and I was like, Oh yeah, that's thanks very much. Like nice to have, but I wouldn't have gone out and bought it myself. Like that, Nick, as well. I mean, I'm buying jerseys from say classic football shirts and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to the shop here in London and saying, Oh, there's a really nice jersey. Like, I've loads of, of, of retro jerseys because yeah, you're right, they do they do throw back to a time where, you know, my childhood growing up and seeing people wear these jerseys and I was like, oh God, I want to be like them. And we're just not producing them at the moment. We're, we haven't produced an iconic moment in an Ireland jersey since McLean scored that goal um, it, it, away in Wales. But that, that's been completely yeah, and sure, and sure what did, Yeah, and sure what did that ever amount ever to? Since, ever since the, um, you know, that goal is still shown, but it's not. it doesn't mean as much because of what happened in the Denmark no. games. So the last time we've had a really iconic moment was probably that uh, Brady um, in in Lille uh, mm. wearing that that you know really nice jersey with the kind of green um, stripes yeah. inside and uh, yeah hoops even and um, you know that's that's it like I mean we're talking about kits in the lead up to a, a, an international <laughs> yeah. and I yeah, think yeah. It, it kind of shows where we are at the moment a little bit but th- yeah I think that th- th- there is a lot of truth in this that our our fans really getting. It's it's a it's not exclusively an Irish problem. It's across football, but our fans really getting um, their money's worth with these kits, and I don't really think they are. Well, just, I mean, it's, it's, they should be giving out free jerseys to kids everywhere. Yeah. They're just everywhere. Yeah. They yeah. Sligo Rovers should. just give Sligo Rovers give. Uh, um, I think it's every baby born in 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 Sligo General they give a a jersey to. What I an mean, what an what an awful start to life. I know what a terrible <laughs> start to life. But I mean, like Ireland should be doing something if if. You know, if you buy a kid's ticket, there should be a jersey free with it or something. Because yeah. I mean, they've must have thousands of these to shift. Where are they all going? Well, even well, even also Bowes, uh, Brian. When we when we renewed our season tickets, we got a free jersey off yeah. Elvery's, <laughs> off Elvery's. Funnily enough, like Elvery's produced. Just just anyone that's interested, we did do a we we did an episode. Um, I suppose critiquing the uh, the blue jersey. Um, back back in August, so it's the midweek show. It's episode 60 for anyone that's interested so we, we we did speak about the retro kit so so that kit is going to be worn against qatar lads i mean look not not a huge amount to discuss on that is it i mean centenary game i mean is it i don't know if it's appropriate opposition or not but it's just the way that the fixtures have fallen isn't it i mean do we yeah, even need to go do, do we even need to go through a score prediction or expectations for the game i mean it's going to be an experimental one isn't it it's a friendly i think essentially. you can't really do anything about the qatar game until after saturday um, yeah. Because we don't know who's going to play on Saturday, we don't know what the, obviously what the results are going to be, um, but we don't know what, what's going to happen on Saturday. So I think once you get past Saturday, then you can kind of look at at, at Tuesday and say the only the only I would say the only certainty with Tuesday is if he's fit, Queeving Keller will play and go. Yeah. Other than that, it's anyone's guess really. I think Mark I think Mark Travers will based on his based on his form. No, I say I think I think he'll play play Keller. I'd love that, said. or maybe I, maybe half and half. But I'd love to play Callagher, but I, I I think to kind of um, put the ghosts to rest of of Belgrade and and to maybe justify the the form of of Travers, he might he might throw him in there. But if we in the event that we draw with Azerbaijan, which is a huge possibility, or we or we lose Azerbaijan even on Saturday, are we going out against Qatar with a must win 
friendly match um that's probably going to determine Stephen Kenny's job because at the moment in the media off the ball for example in the last couple of days Damien Delaney I mean look we either agree with his views or not Paul McGran the last couple of weeks um a lot of people are saying that these two games a dead rubber and a friendly are key to determining the future of Stephen Kenny what do we reckon lads I think for, for performance-wise, we're got, well. It, it, it's coming down to it now that we need results. Um, I, I think that that's going to be the be-all and end-all really with it because that builds the pressure. If he doesn't get results, you know, even if they play very, very well and put in a really good performance, and we can see something for the future, I think against this caliber of opposition, especially, you know, I think you'd, we'd have to be getting a win in one of them games. Um, and I think that that's the pressure he's going to really be under. And that's what's building in the media with him because you are hearing this thing. I mean, everyone's been asked about it. That's the thing at the moment. It's the narrative. It can't get that monkey off his back that he hasn't won a game. Well, he's won one. And, and you know, they keep name dropping that game. So, no, it was, uh, who was it? It was Andorra. Well, you know, that's, that's just what he gets checked on everything. So he, he's got to be able to get that monkey off his back, as I said. And so he needs to win, basically. And I think if he doesn't, I think, yeah, it is very, very worrying. I mean, we've, we've got games, we've got the November games and we've got the, and then we've got games in March as well. And his contract is going up to uh, July, isn't it? Yeah, summer. So yeah. we're going to have games in June as well, though. So I think the key thing is he get, he's got to get results in this. We know then Portugal come to town because look, from a commercial point of view, they've got to sell out the Aviva for that. They've got to get money in. The FAI are absolutely skint. So they've got to get money in. So they need to get the people in love with Irish football again, even if it's just to see Ronaldo. So they've got to get some performances in here so that we are seeing in Ireland in the papers and the media coverage, Ireland can actually win a game. So I that, think that's, that's it, I think. I agree, yeah. I, th- I think it, if if he loses the next two games, the mood is going to get even worse. And it, mm. his position probably, unfortunately, does become untenable. Um, but... The, the reality is, as we've been saying for months now, is that you could probably bring in a coach who's more internationally recognised than Stephen Kenny and will want to instil a certain, um, the same kind of style of football. But I just worry that they bring in someone with a short term, uh, with short term ism. Uh, in mind again, you know, we can't have that. I think the point of Kenny is that it's 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 long term gain. But as 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 has been kind of obvious throughout the week um, and throughout the last, the last few international breaks, the players are really on board. Like, they really are. They, they know that this isn't ideal and they know it's not being great, but they but Breen, also do, know do, But, Breen, do they have to follow this narrative? Because uh, during the Steve Staunton era, it was very similar. A lot of players are very supportive of Steve Staunton. Um, they, I, I think that's... Now, now, having said that, a lot of them were ex-teammates of his, weren't they? Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's uh, players... You can always read a lot into what players say and what they don't say. And if if the stuff that's coming out is so strong, say it was it Matt Doherty, I think it was after one of the games and the last thing, and he was just like, we're totally behind this. And we're and like he was so forthright in his views. He wasn't holding back. He was saying, no, we're behind this. We know it hasn't been good enough ourselves. And we know that this project is long term. It's not about you know the short term, um, the short term view. Uh, if we lose on Saturday, that pressure is going to get wrapped up. If we lose again on Tuesday, then you know who who knows. But I think the the, the issue that maybe the FAI have is can they afford to pay him out? And then who do you bring in? Um, 
look, this campaign has been has hasn't been good on a purely um looking solely at the this campaign and the results. But if you look at the wider context, I think it's been um it's it's been there's been positive developments. Um not always great. Um but I mean you look at the players that are, are getting their debuts are getting introduced and, and as we've said before it's probably the first time in a long long time that we're saying wow a lot of players are getting their debuts and, and they're impressing and they're being given chances whereas before it was a very small group playing the same same way um and yeah i don't like, think maybe kenny has well, moved on enough players yeah well uh, well, well yes. for years i mean it was, it was this whole narrative that why are we capping our players so late i mean they're they're getting capped when they're in their mid-20s when they should be getting capped a little bit earlier so he's he's kind of he's banished that monkey a bit hasn't he like he's kind yeah. of he's kind of um what's the word i suppose he's he's shifted the narrative from that perspective but as you said bring there i mean there are players that he that he isn't moving on and i mean i i personally believe like i think anyway that if you're going to introduce a players full of uh, a team full of youngsters and if you're going to blow a load of teenagers, some of them who aren't necessarily playing first team football regularly or who 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 might just be getting minutes here and there or the likes of Troy Parrott and Gavin Bizzuna who are who are being loaned out to the lower leagues. I think you have to do that in tandem with a few senior pros. But I think the issue is that some of the senior pros that are still involved aren't the appropriate ones. Um, either because maybe they haven't stuck around the national team that much in their younger years or maybe they're just not... You know, maybe they're lacking a huge amount of quality. So, so I think it, I think it does have to be in tandem. But as you said, sometimes it's not the appropriate ones uh, that that, well, that, that are sticking I around. Think is, it's a, it's a fair point, but I also think it it's it's very easy for us to sit here not be involved in the squad and not see what goes on. I mean, like a lot of people were very annoyed at Harry Archer's inclusion um, previously, and I would say from a footballing perspective, I'd probably agree. I was a bit like, why is Harry Archer getting picked? Um, but. You know, he, he could be great around the dressing room. He could be great um, with players. And I think people really over, over, um, are, are underestimated even how much that matters um, within a team context um, of having an older player in there and just able to kind of give it a bit of, uh, a, a kind of a, 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 a keep them on their feet. I mean, I've been involved in teams and probably my the team I coach now where they're very young and, and you're probably like, oh, I'd love an older head in here. Um, to come in and just kind of like you know run things almost from a player's perspective um a lot of these young players are, are seem like model professionals i think like gavin bazunu has spoken so well in his press conferences um this week and, and in the previous international break but you do also need an old head in there and maybe harry arthur is is very good at that um so there is a lot more going on than, than meets the eye but i suppose also at the same time we're fans and we're here giving the fan view and people are, are asking the question, why is he being included? So, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of things at play here, but I think the bottom line is if he loses the next two games, it's very, very hard to see him um, come back. Absolutely. And I, I suppose just another off the field incident, sadly, that we, we are discussing uh, and Breen, I, I know that you, um, you kind of, I wouldn't say you talked to social media, but you responded to, I suppose a couple of, of outspoken views regarding Callum Robinson's press conference yesterday yeah. um, regarding the fact that he hasn't received or hasn't uh, chosen to to be vaccinated against COVID-19 despite actually having it twice. So I think was it Joe Duffy said this morning that he's 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 had COVID more than he scored goals for Ireland. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe you want to just elaborate on your views on that. And I, I, I'm just I'm I'm reluctant to kind of go into a political 
discussion. <laughs> but I but I but I think I think you I think you've got a fairly balanced argument if you want to maybe share it. And yeah, Martin, you might so, want to weigh in as well. So I think my my view of, of Callum Robinson is that I, I really like Callum Robinson. He comes across really well. He comes across as a nice guy. And he's the, the, um, smiley, the smiliest man you'll ever meet. Yeah, and he, he always, in fairness to him, I would never doubt his effort or enthusiasm when playing for Ireland. And maybe he hasn't had, you know, stroke of luck here and there and, and he could have got a few more goals. But he's always worked hard and tried hard. Um, so I can't fault him on that front at all. Um, on this particular issue, I... I I think footballer, football in general, especially, you know, within, say, England, you're hearing these numbers come out going, oh, only half of Premier League players are vaccinated and, and whatnot. And and the vaccine isn't a political issue. I mean, that's, this is the reality, excuse me, this is the reality. It isn't a political issue. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. And for me, personally, um, I understand that it's a personal decision for some people and some people aren't in a position to take the vaccine for various reasons. But if you are in a position and you don't take it, you're inherently selfish because this is taking the vaccine isn't about you as the individual. It's about us as a society protecting the the most vulnerable in it. Um, you know, some people, as I said, they cannot get the vaccine for for medical reasons. So to protect them, everyone else needs to take it because then it reduces the um, the way in which it's passed on, the amount of time, the percentage of which it, it's able to be passed on is very low, and the the you know the because people are getting aren't getting sick because they have the vaccine, it reduces the amount of uh, people in hospitals so that if someone does contract it who cannot um, get the get the vaccine, the best care is available to them because the beds aren't taken up by people who could otherwise get the vaccine. So for Callum Robinson's point and say he hasn't taken the vaccine after getting it twice, it does seem a little irresponsible. Now he didn't, allow, he is entitled to, to that view. I think it's wrong. He's made a wrong choice. Um, because, as I said, this is inherently selfish to not take it. But we don't know his, his, why he hasn't taken it, because he hasn't said. If he just came in and said, I haven't taken it, and, you know, it's slightly personal, but there is good reason behind it, it would have gone, okay, you know, fair enough. Uh, I don't know the full story here. But to just kind of come out and say, and be the first high-profile footballer to come out and say it, all of the headlines throughout the world this week have just put more pressure on the Ireland team because everyone's looking going up oh, there's Callum Robinson unvaccinated footballer and he just looks irresponsible and it looks he, he he is he has a right to the privacy yeah okay I agree but he also has a right he's a public figure so he has a responsibility and a duty um because it just gives dangerous people uh chances to go oh look hold up here's someone who doesn't want to do it and if that influences you know, five, ten people to not take the vaccine is the goal. Yeah. Callum Robinson doesn't want to take it. And then they influence five, ten people, and then they influence well, five, ten people. Well, we, 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 we spoke about the Irish players being heroes and role models, didn't we? And, and, yeah. and again, I may be being hypocritical here because I said that some of them aren't necessarily um, heroes of our youngsters in Ireland, are they? It's really your Messi's and Ronaldo's and so on. But, I mean, if, 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 if Callum Robinson... A footballer, popular footballer, as I said, and probably one of the the more popular Irish footballers out there. If if young kids are seeing this now, ultimately it's going to be their parents that made that that decision. But if if they're saying no, I don't want to, I don't want to get it because you know Callum Robinson uh, didn't get it. You know it doesn't send out the the right message. Martin, a quick one for you. I mean, the the FBI did put out a statement regarding vaccinations. Do you think it was a bit of an own goal of them to put Robinson in front of the media? Yeah, I think it was. Um, this has been a narrative of the press for a long time. Any press conference I've been on, uh, you know, the last camp, uh, the last few games and stuff, a few journalists were always asking uh, players, "Are you vaccinated?" or 
what is your stance on it? And it, it was like they were trying to trip them up and stuff because I know it is an emotive subject. Obviously, it's a thing that's affecting everyone in society. So it, it was just a question. I, I think it was very naive of kind of Robinson. I, I, I think it was naive of them to put him up there because they knew these questions were going to come. But I actually then applaud his bravery, kind of ironically, in a way. He's not brave enough in a way. My view, like yours, would be you take it for the good of society. But... You know, I actually applaud his bravery for coming out and saying, look, I don't believe in this. I know he hasn't gone into the, the, the reasons why, why not, but he's not the only one. And I think he's actually being kind of, he'll be kind of put forward a bit of a scapegoat now. And it'll be all about that in the press. And I think we don't need that added pressure because I think what, what really, I think some of the press will come at it. Well, why is Kenny picking him? That, that, that will be a thing that I think will get pulled apart now. Um, that why yeah. why is why is the manager then picking him and, and exposing the rest of the squad to it? He's he was a close contact once and he's had it twice. So I know you can still get COVID if you've even dub, had double vaccination. This isn't going away. We're going to have to live with this. I know that, and there's a, the moral viewpoint of, and everyone's entitled to their own view. But um, I, I think that it just does expose it. You know, you can imagine Ireland getting a goal now, and in the in the oh well we hope so, and in the celebrations, everyone all over Robinson, and there'll be someone who'll make a big fuss about it. Well, what the hell are they doing? You know, that kind of thing. It'll be, there'll just be a stupid kind of narrative on it. And like you said, I think for the greater good, he, you know, it, it can it can influence people. Um, I know Klopp spoke on this as well. Um, very emotive subject. Something that the media obviously want to jump on as well because they're trying to make a political uh, viewpoint of it. But um, yeah, I, I do think a bit naive. And, and again, we, we it forces the FAI to kind of look a bit stupid and have to then put out a statement and... and you could just see them probably panicking then and going, oh, crap, now we've got to do this. And it's it just, yeah. it takes it all away from the football. You know, I know we've spoken about the kits and everything else, but it should be all about the football and what they're going to do on the pitch. And that, and that's the same thing with a lot of Kenny's press conferences. The most most recently, it's all about, do you think you're safe in the job? There's, mm. not, there's no analysis of, I've never been on a press conference where he've said, well, why did you do that? Or why did you swap, you know, for example, a question I, I would have asked, you know, from when the Portugal game, why why he changed the team so much and put Coleman back in when he played really well and switching Doherty and stuff. No one's ever asked that question in the press conference because they're just concerned. It's like sensationalist journalism. They're concerned about, are they going to get rid of him? Are we going to get rid of him? Yeah, but even like, you know, the, and again, the whole narrative around the negativity around Kenny, it's never, like, as I said, like, my, I, I, I'm not exactly Kenny out, but I would have a lot of criticisms around his, his squad selections, his team selections, and his systematic selections. Like I, I'd have a lot of questions around that. I only, I only watched the Serbia match back yesterday, and I was thinking, Jesus, I because I was at the game. I hadn't, hadn't actually watched it back mm-hmm. on TV, and I thought, Jesus, it, it, it looks a lot worse on TV than it was yeah. um, actually at the game. And and there's a lot of questions I'd have about that regarding Kenny. But but, but there the is, narrative, right. but yeah, but there but the narrative. Of, sorry, I don't mean to. Sorry, there is a lot of uh, legitimate criticisms of Stephen Kenny's decision making at times. That's fair. No, one, no one's going to argue that. Sorry, but, I didn't but, mean to interrupt. But, no, no, it's okay. But sadly, and again, Breen, this, this is something you might agree with as well, but a lot of the criticisms are, are possibly um, unfair. Uh, and again, like there was something um, something I read recently enough, and it was it was along the lines that, oh, his, you know, his press conferences and his interviews are, are poor, uh, so he shouldn't be Ireland manager. I mean, I think, as far as I know now, I could be wrong. So again, apologies to, to anyone if I offend saying this, but as far as I know, Stephen Kenny, um, had a stammer as a youngster and you know doing this kind of public speaking and doing interviews and stuff is, is naturally challenging and he would have his own 
I suppose, skills and his own, um, you know, techniques to, to doing interviews and to actually getting sentences out. And, you know, to say that he shouldn't be Ireland manager because he's, um, you know, because he can't hold the press or he can't um, answer questions or he gets defensive in press conferences, like, that's not right. As I said, focus on the football and don't focus on these criticisms. I also saw something on, on, on Twitter recently saying that, you know, oh, we had a heart attack, so we shouldn't be Ireland manager. So they're, they're varying. They're varying so far away from 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 the, the legitimate arguments against them being in the job. Um, and yeah. again, I, th- I think the media are kind of going down that route as well. Maybe not to the extremes of the fact that he had a heart attack or the fact that he, he again, I don't know if that's true, but that he had a stammer. But it, but again, they, they are moving very far away from the, the legitimate narrative of, of why he might be out of the job or why he, he could potentially be out of the job. I think that's it, though. though. Like, I mean, football fans and humanity in general, we're quite fickle. Um, so, you know, if things start to go well, all of a sudden people are like, oh, he's definitely the man for the job. So, and, but if, when it's not going well, you know, you will always find one or two gougers who will find any old excuse to have a go at anyone. Um, but again, it goes back to the, the narrative. We've we spoken about this before. The FAI are so, so bad <laughs> at PR. They're so bad. They never control narratives, ever. They just let things, like how no one thought going into that press conference Based on, you know, Martin said it here that people have been asking all the last few press conferences yeah. players, have you been vaccinated? They knew that question was going to come and they still put them out there. And when it was fine, put it out there. But when it's asked of him, and I do appreciate his honesty in, in some ways, as, as you said as well, Martin. But when it's asked of him, just step in and say, oh, we're not talking about that today. Can we move on to the next question? And then just move on to the next question. Like, that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, 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 just control it. But they don't. Like, you have to look at the FAI's marketing in general isn't good. And the FAI's PR isn't good. And look I appreciate their, maybe... Look at their graphics in the, the yeah, last I mean, world. The squad announcement graphics. Horrendous. They're off. I could make something better in two minutes. Like, it's terrible. But you do have to look at and, and say, maybe that's just indicative or, of Irish football as a whole, that we can't even control good marketing and good PR. That, that is indicative of where the FAI are at the moment. They've got no money. They've got people in there in, in different roles who are doing their best. Some of them are very good, some of them, and that, but they're struggling in that environment, I think, as well. So that, that's where I, I do have a little bit of sympathy with them on that. But, yeah, like you said, they don't control the narrative. And the thing about it is that even these press conferences, you know, they should be strong enough to bring it back to the football. Certain journalists have an agenda. They're asking that question about the covid even one, I was on another press conference and after the game, they tried to make the point, could we not have an interview with you when it's not so raw and emotive after the game so we can actually think, you know, you've had a night's sleep, we can actually talk the next day about the game. And Stephen Kenny took that to mean that it was a kind of criticism as, his, as a communicator. And he said, you know, I know I need to get better at this. I, I've actually, I've been on lots of them, you know, and I think it was the game where, I think it was the Qatar game where we, where we drew, uh, you know, and he went with a lot of the older players, didn't he? I think McLean started uh, in that game, the away game. And he got very, very passionate in his responses that night and he came out fighting. And I, that's what I like hearing from him. He, When he comes across like that, when he believes in what he's saying, and he's, I think he's just t- so honest sometimes, and that's actually to his detriment in in the rawness of the moment after a poor result he talks too long and he sounds a bit nervy because in his mind i can in the way i look at him i just think all the cogs are going there you're overthinking this shut it down be 
Stop being Martin O'Neill rude. Let's <laughs> just shut this down. Give your answers um, and say, yeah, I'm going to watch it back. I'll reflect on it. I thought we did this, this, this. Shut down the interview, basically, but do give something. But instead, he elaborates too much and he thinks, and it comes across as, I'm unsure, I'm nervous, I don't know what I'm coming to say. Yeah. But actually, when you actually hear him speaking, he came to a Miss London do once, and he was speaking, he was saying, and honestly, by the end of it, he, he started off, it, I was thinking, God, this is like, I might, you know, this is really, really, God, he, he doesn't talk like this to the players, does he? That's I honestly mm. felt like that. By the end of it, it honestly, hairs on the back of your neck was standing up. The passion he had, I know it's not just about passion, and David will go mad because that's very old school, passion fight and stuff like that. But um, the way he was saying, I'm going to grasp my opportunity as an island manager. This is my dream job. I'm not having it that, you know, it's not in our DNA to, to play football. We do have the players. This is what we're going to do and sell to the players. And it was just so inspirational. And I thought, God, if he can get that message across to players, that must be brilliant to play for him. Yeah. It's just the nervousness comes across very early when he's too yeah. honest in the interviews. Uh, as, as you said, Martin, he, he goes on kind of tangents, doesn't he? It's almost he like he speaks so technically. And I mean, no one doubts that he's a very well-qualified coach. Yeah. And I mean, but you don't hear Jurgen Klopp or you don't hear um, Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, they don't they, they don't speak that technically. Like you uh, need to speak in layman's terms and you need to give very little away as as a as a professional manager. You you yeah. don't need to you don't need to compensate or prove to people that that you're technically competent. Like that's that's one of the, the case. Yeah, one of the things I think about Kenny is is obviously what you just said there. He he, he almost talks too much. But I think one of the things about Ireland in uh, I've actually spoken about this before with David. I think I did it on the live stream. Um excuse me, my cat just ran across this a, a madman. Um but one of the things uh, that I, I, the last time I was on, I think, was the live stream with David after uh, Serbia. And we were talking about the media. And I was saying that one of the best things that Gareth Southgate has done with England is opened up the camps to the media and made the players readily available and, and, and almost endeared them to the media. And no one, there's no um, press group more harsh about their international players in the world than England. We all know this. And... They were having like darts tournaments during the Euros and it endeared um, the likes of Grealish, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but the likes of Grealish to the to the British, the English public, because they got to know these players more. The press got to know them more and the press got to have actual proper sit downs with them and chat and say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. tell me about yourself. Tell me about your life. Tell me about what you think. Tell me about. Well, we, well, we had sports. that. We, 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 we had that years ago. And I suppose the last time that that would have been the case was Saipan. So we need to we need to move on from that, don't we? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, just the way it all seems to be controlled and it all seems to be like they're digging for us. The press are digging for a story, which is their job. But they are digging for a story because they're not getting access to these players. Just yeah. open it up, you know, and train the players. The players are all media trained, you know, when they should yeah. um, So I agree. Yeah, we just need to make it more accessible. I agree with you 100% on that. You've got to make the public fall in love with these players. They might not be the, the greatest players like you know they might not have the stellar careers Robbie Keane Damien Duff and things we haven't got that high profile players now but we don't really know an awful lot about them but that's what you need you need to create heroes with these and that's the thing like they should be you know I think I don't want to see Gavin Brazino exploited but he's playing lower league level in England but like this is the whole thing I thought Keith Andrews was talking about in the past was you know we need to promote our players to their clubs by giving them a chance on the Irish international stage, reminding their clubs that they're about. But you can also do that with profiling them. You know, you read the match programme, 
it's the same stock answers and same thing. You know, I know they do a lot of stuff on social media as well, but sometimes works. You know, it shows them up in a bit of a laugh and a crack around the, the, the hotel because they're probably bored out of their mind and stuff. But look, they should be doing open training days, like, especially if they had the opportunity again with this one. They're, they're, they're together now from Sunday, haven't they? All right, they had to travel. But they should have had an open training day somewhere um, with, with or come and meet, you know, a competition to meet the, meet the players. All right, maybe they can't do it with COVID. I understand that as well. But they've got to make these more relatable, these players, and create, make them into heroes for kids. You know, Gavin Bazunu, everybody should have been going into school. I know it was a draw, a, a loss against Portugal, but what a high-profile thing. I mean, I was over here coaching kids, and I was showing them on my phone um, the, the, the video I took from in the ground of Bazunu, and I said, do you know who he plays for? And But in Ireland, that... Everyone should have been going, oh, when I'm in goal now, I'm Gavin Bazzini. I can save the penalty from Ronaldo. That's what it should have been. They've not picked up on that. They don't do it. You know, you should have been able to, you know, I know, you know, Man United, it's a machine, right? But, you know, Cavani scores a goal or something in the derby and, and you get an email that night going, buy your Cavani derby shirt. And it's the same shirt you could have brought the day before the game, but they just they might put 20% off or something just because he yeah. scored. They, they've got to get that marketing right. They've got to get things out to to kind of make you fall in love with the players and stuff, make them personable. And again, like you're saying, Brian, the, the, the interviews and stuff, make them personable. You know, I, I think half the players get put forward in these press conferences because they have to, they've got immediate commitments, but they're kind yeah. of bored out of their mind. It's the same kind of stock answers all the time. I mean, I thought Bazunu, you look, he's a 19-year-old. Look how well he acquitted himself in the interviews. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. He's not going to get tripped up and he's likeable. So... The press will look proper assholes if they do try and trip him up and kind of bring him down, because he, he he's a really good inspirational young man. That's the thing; he should be thrown all around Ireland to show this is what you should be doing. A kid training under age level at any club in Ireland, this is what you can do. This is what this boy went and done. Well, I think I think if, if his momentum keeps going, he he is going to be one of the superstars of Irish yeah. football in the next few years. So. Just to wrap it up, lads, and anyone heading to Baku, I've I've scrolled through a TripAdvisor here, and I'd like to think I'm somewhat of a Baku or a tourism expert here. So just a few little things you can do. So the Hydor Aliyev Cultural Center. Um, I haven't a clue what it is, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read through it. So, <laughs> so being one of the most recognized architectural landmarks worldwide, the Hydor Aliyev Center is one in the meantime one of the signature architectural landmarks of modern Baku. The building was designed by Zaha Hadid. I don't think he's any uh, relation to, to Wilfred. Um, a worldwide recognized architect and Pritzker Prize winner. A couple of other bits then. You can uh, you can take a trip down to the Baku Old City, the Baku Boulevard, the Flame Towers, the Azerbaijan National Carpet Museum. Um, Breen, that sounds like your kind of cup of tea. So Azerbaijan National Carpet Museum was established in accordance with the decree number 130 of the Council of Ministers of the Azerbaijan dated March 13th, 1967. Wow. I mean, even if, I'm just looking at the picture of this, lads. The, the actual building is just a giant magic carpet. Fantastic stuff. We should be going to back here, lads, shouldn't we? Sounds like a barrel of laughs. We need to start a carpet podcast. I wouldn't mind it. You should see this. Anyone listening to this, look up the Azerbaijan National Carpet Museum. The, the building is in the shape of a giant carpet. Other, other few things. So uh, the Fountain Square, the Highland Park. Um, I'm just reading these out. I've never been to Baku. 
But again, it's good to just give it. A this is taking joke. a weird turn. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But look, it's important. You have to be. You have to be cultural on these football trips. I mean, when when we went to Copenhagen, Bream, we were very cultural. We went to an Irish bar. Yeah, we did. And <laughs> when I went to Geneva, when I went to Geneva, uh, my last away trip, I was very cultured and uh, walked around hating it. Awful. Awful yeah, city. awful, awful city, awful, <laughs> awful, 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 awful game as well awful. for that, that trip. Yeah. James Collins playing left wing was one of the worst moments of my entire life. <laughs> but the less said about that, the better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're going to leave it there. So as always, subscribe to our different um, platforms on uh, with, with, with our different podcast platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, what's the other one, lads? Google Podcasts. We're on pretty much all of them, aren't we? And uh, of course, like and subscribe and follow our various social media platforms so of course lansdownroad.ie and the green machine so until then enjoy the games and come on you boys in green